I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Thursday again. Tell everybody to lock in, grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in. It's the one-hour show, constantly speaking facts. Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt. And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style. Jake is going to educate you. He has that knowledge on fire. Players, step your game up. Don't be sluggish or lazy. Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby. Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform. Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards. No hot takes. This is where the hottest debate's at. Now kick your feet up, because it's time for straight facts. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. Brought to you by the Up On Game Presents Network. It's your boy, Jimmy J. I'm back with my guys and hype to be Jake Galley and Stab Matt Robinson, of course, rocking the Clemson jersey. Everyone's got to know he's a Clemson fan now because they're winning again. So, of course. But, guys, we got a, a really good episode upcoming and a guest that I'm hyped to have back on the pod. I believe we had him on a couple of years ago. Spinning the block to bring him back on founder of football game plan, also color analyst over there at CBS Sports HQ, my guy, Emery Hunt. So Emery, first of all, man, thanks for coming back on the pod. Hyped to break down some NFL stuff with you, man. How you been? Not a problem. And I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yeah, of, of course, man. Of course. So well, let's get right into it. We don't, no, no sense wasting any time, man. We're going to take a look at really some players who have Struggled coming out the gate a little bit and kind of surprising to people, players that people pick to have a big season and haven't really been producing up to that matter. And we're going to title this breaking down 
are breaking out. So we're just going to see, are these guys breaking down in this season or are they just due to have a breakout, uh, breakout season moving forward? I think the first person we got to look at is Najee Harris for the Steelers. Had a really good rookie season coming in last year and now this season on pace for 235 carries, but only 755 yards. That's on pace for 100 less carries than he had last season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I can attest to it from first and foremost, as a fantasy owner of Najee Harris, the man's not producing. The man's not producing to what we thought he was going to. So Emery, I'll kick it to you first, man. What's going on with Najee Harris? Is this a case of breaking down or is he just due to get right? I feel like he's due to get right. I think a lot of his issues is due to the fact that no one respects their passing game or their quarterback situation. So they make it tougher for them to find some semblance of offense with their run game. Because if I know you can't throw, um, it is going to, you know, help me stop the run a, a lot better. The Giants are facing this as well, but they have a, you know, a little bit more of a talented back in, mm. in Saquon Barkley, who's explosive, who can be utilized in different ways. Um, and, and, Daniel Jones's running ability has kind of alleviated a little bit of the pressure off the passing game because they still can't throw. And because Pittsburgh is having issues throwing the football uh, with consistency uh, with whom they have at quarterback, you have Trubisky and now you have Pickett is making life a lot tougher for um, Najee Harris. Yeah. And I think it's a great point. I think bringing in Pickett's definitely going to help that offense. Uh, the only thing that concerns me a little bit with Najee, and James, I'm with you. I've got him in a couple of fantasy leagues, so my it, attention it's, it's a, it might be, it's a heart piece. It's it it heart might piece, be a little right? heightened, so I, I have to be sensitive of that. <laughs> but I, I, well, the only thing I worry about is comparing his production to that of Jalen Warren, the backup running back who's looked explosive. He's looked good mm-hmm. in pass pro, uh, averaging 4.9 yards uh, per carry, granted, only 19 carries, so small sample size. But the the one thing I worry about with Najee is him losing a little bit of trust in that offensive line and what he's seeing in front of him. Just watching a couple of the games, um, you know, going in and out, it seems like he almost has like a Le'Veon Bell type cadence where he's chopping the feet behind the line, then trying to make a read and then go. Uh, and I think he, he may benefit from, um, again, an improved offense, less stacked boxes. But I do worry a little bit when Jalen Warren's able to go out there and provide some pop for the Steelers. Najee Harris, I just don't understand why people thought he was, like, fantastic last year. Like, like, just because he was drafted in the first round doesn't mean he's going to be that good. Fantastic wasn't the word, but he was very productive last year. Yeah, because he got a million, 300 carries, because Roethlisberger probably was like, my arm's kind of sore, I'm going to just check the runs every time I can. (laughs) And so he just checked the runs. 3.9 yards per carry, that's not good. The Steelers as a team last year had 3.9, so it was the whole team. But like this year, the fact that he's at 3.2, and it's been the same with Trubisky and Pickett, Mm-hmm. Is and the fact that Warren is averaging 4.9 on 19, like it's just a poster board for my argument of never drafting a running back in the first round. Because you just look at the 2021 draft, like you could have gotten Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round as a wide receiver, you could have gotten uh Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots in the fourth round, who's much better yards per carrier, Elijah Mitchell in the sixth, like it's. It's so silly to draft someone that high, especially when you know you have an aging quarterback and you want to build around the new one. And I just don't see... A 3.2 is like a really low number. 
he'll bounce back, but I can't see him bouncing back to like being like a top level running back. He was thirty second in uh the like yards like yards above um replacement last year. Um defense adjusted and he's thirty sixth this year, so I think he's just a lower tier running back. This was a tough place for us to start, Emery. Just so you know that you are looking at the running back hater and stat Matt. Like this is this is a guy. I don't know what no, it is. as much as I Saquon, Saquon's bad years are like three point eight, and that's like it's not just Saquon. It's not just Saquon. It's it's not three point I mean, two is rough. Like that's like that's you can't when you get three point nine the year before and you're three point two through five games. It's not looking good at you being a first round level running back or even what like I'll just like a potential pro bowl running back. I don't see that. It it's not. So so Emery, I'm gonna lean on you to break it down a little bit for us. Now now with the quarterback change from Mitchell Trubisky to Kenny Pickett, you would think the offense has got to change a little bit too. Now does that change in offense benefit Najee Harris, or does that kind of make the offense go in even more of a different direction from him? Does he get back when now that Kenny Pickett's under center and moving things. Well, they've gone from Trubisky to Trubisky. Kenny Pickett is the same guy. <laughs> you know, he's the same guy. He's they're athletic, um, you know, decent arm, he's streaky, will put the ball in harm's way, doesn't really do well versus pressure. So all of that still creates a problem for Najee Harris. And until they get better quarterback play, he's going he's gonna to suffer. He suffered last year because, you know, if you bring up Yaris McCarry, again, no one respected Big Ben to be Big Ben. So we know they have to run the football. We know that ball is coming out short and quick. Uh, so once you see improved quarterback play, and they probably won't get that this year from what they have on a roster, the guy that was better than Pickett was the one they drafted in the seventh round whom they cut and Chris Oladokun. So because he has mm-hmm. athleticism that can enhance the run game and make it a lot easier for a back to find advantageous uh, rushing lanes, but because they are, you know, kind of married to both those quarterbacks they have now, it's going to be, it's, it's, you know, it's not Najee's fault that those guys can't, you know, complete passes or be consistent to where they back up a little bit of that, that coverage and allow him to, to run rather well. To push back on that, Renandre Stevenson is averaging 5.5 yards per carry and Mac Jones has been no, but he's Mac Jones has been a horrible quarterback for the Patriots this year. Two touchdowns, five picks, with seventy six passer rating. Like they're just because you have a bad passing game, it's not an excuse, a full like exoneration for a poor running game. Like three point two is below the level of of his quarterbacks holding him back, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I have to take a look at the amount of times he's touching the ball as well. So if you have bad quarterback play combined with more attempts coming out of that quarterback position, then that's not going to bode well for your offense at all. And it's definitely not going to bode well for a guy like Najee Harris, a power back who was doing well on volume carries. And this is a a Pittsburgh Steelers team who historically a tough smash mouth running the football team. And if you're going to go away from that and be more dynamic, put the ball in your quarterback's hands more often, and it's not going to, be successful when you do that. A, a guy like a, a running back at the very least, but a guy like Najee Harris, I don't think is going to benefit from that. So hopefully he gets right. Like maybe we'll see as the, as the season moves on. Yeah, and I think just to answer, you know, the question of how much is his performance going to impact the team? 
my prediction going forward, you know, saying all the things that have been said here, I believe they'll still be a subpar offense. I'm not totally sold on Kenny Pickett. But what I think maybe a lesson to be learned is that you might have a better chance of staying in games and keeping up in games if you are leaning on the run game and pounding the rock. And maybe we do see that way. Mm -hmm. Najee kind of rack up some yards, rack up some touches. Um, Long term, though, it is I'll be I'll be keeping my eye to see, you know, because sometimes guys will just lose explosiveness and that's why they're not as effective. He's two years into his NFL career. I don't think that's the reason, but it, it is just something to, to keep your eye on is all I'll say. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GamePresents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GamePresents. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
a lot of running backs are dependent on their offensive line. So if that doesn't get right, we may not see the wheels start spinning for Najee. We're going to move on to another guy who's in his second year in the NFL, Kyle Pitts um, for the Atlanta Falcons, a, a guy who, Another guy who I drafted in fantasy who's not bowling out too well. <laughs> we're, at, we're on a trend here, you Noticing a trend. Um, yeah, seriously. But um, a guy people were so hyped for coming into the season, and for good measure, just has all the makeup to be one of the next really good to great tight ends in the league, but kind of spinning his wheels to start the season. On pace right now for only 42 receptions, 638 yards. Um, only 22 targets, 10 receptions, and 150 yards on the season. No touchdowns. We know that the Falcons aren't in the greatest of situations with their quarterback, with their offense, with their franchise right now. It is a team that, for what it's worth, has won a couple games in the NFL this season, was contending for first place in their division up until last weekend. So, Emery, again, we're going to start with you. Is Kyle Pitts breaking down or is he about to break out? I think it's, you know, he's going to break out because at some point in time, you just got to play your best guys and go to your best guys. But I know he was dealing with mm-hmm. some injuries or whatnot, but mm-hmm. when they added a Drake London, when they added, you know, more talent at receiver, it's going to naturally take away some of his options. You know, he's a great player, but you got other really good players that warrant the opportunity, especially if they're drawing the coverage. Teams are probably taking away some of the looks from Kyle Pitts, which is why you got to go away from him. Or if your run game is working, which their run game has been, you know, in conjunction with Marcus Mariota, uh, part of that, you have options now. And you really can't just force feed the football to somebody because of what you perceive him to be, you know, a, tr- mm-hmm. a significant threat. I mean, Drake London's open, you know what I mean? And and so Cordero Patterson's run the football rather well. Now they're going to have Tyler Algier run the football rather well because he's mm-hmm. a good back. Um Brian Edwards, you know, another one that was someone that they brought in that's, you know, a solid player. So, I mean, you know, I think for him, it's options, you know, that, that has taken away a little bit of his effectiveness. Um, and, and, yeah, you, you know, you want to dial up plays for your, your top-tier playmakers. Um, you know, so some of that does fall on the shoulders of you know, Arthur Smith. You know, at some point you still have to get him the football. You don't want him to become – essentially the Julio Jones of mm. the situation where he's productive from 20 to 20, but not get the looks inside the 20. Um, but again, you got to credit the other side because they're taking stuff away, but also his teammates. I mean, they, they added a lot of talent in Atlanta this year, and um, that's a, a good problem to have, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. For, for Before you go, Jake, first of all, I don't ever want another Julio Jones situation. Like I don't, I don't ever want someone to go through what Julio Jones was going through in the latter years of Atlanta. That's just not fair to anybody. Yeah, and it's insane because I was looking up the stats today, and I'm like, there's no way Kyle Pitts only had one touchdown last year. None. No, he's he's goose egg this year. Uh, only one last year, and I think it is ultimately some something in the in the water down there in Atlanta how they yeah, run their offense the- in the red zone. We call that the Julio flu. Yeah, Julio never had a large, big touchdown season. That's kind of it. Which is a crime. Which is no, which but that is wasn't because of that wasn't because of like the Falcons' offense. The Falcons had some really good offenses, and Roddy White was able to score a lot of touchdowns in some years. It's like just like that wasn't what he excelled at. But going with Kyle Pitts, I think when you have an offense like Atlanta does, and you're Arthur Smith. There's such a small margin for good because you don't have a lot of talent around the team when you have Mariota 
and you have Patterson, you have Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts, and you have a really bad O-line. So what what they're 10th in offensive DVOA this year. They've scored points this year. Their mm-hmm. defense has been what's let them down. That's why they lost to the Saints. And they had a real shot to beat the Bucks last year and didn't have a chance to get the ball back because of a bad call. And what they're basically decided to do is Kyle Pitts is going to bolster up the O-line in our rushing offense, and he's going to chip on pass plays. And when tight ends chip on pass plays, they have less time to get open because the pressure is going to come for the quarterback up the middle or the other side. So they, it, it's just... It's just the nature of the position. When you have to chip more, then they're then you get less targets. Gronk, when he when like the when the right tackle in New England was injured, Gronk chipped more, he got less targets. George Kittle's chipping more because they're offensive line and his fantasy numbers are down. I just think it's a lot of fantasy owners that are really mad at Arthur Smith Piss. because they're losing Piss. fantasy games when he's actually Piss. using Kyle Pitts in the way that's making the offense work for football, well. right? Yeah, the, like football, there's a lot of right. tape people who say Kyle Pitts is playing well, and and and, and here's and here's the thing. Before you go, Jake, that's kind of something that I wanted to piggyback on. That was Matt was saying is I wonder how much of this is a combination of him being utilized in the offense a little differently and the looks that he's getting from the defense a little differently coming into this year. Because the reason I thought Kyle Pitts was going to break out coming into this season is yes, his production and how good he is, but. Before they required acquired all these weapons, they lost weapons. You lose a guy like Russell Gage to the Buccaneers. You lose a guy like Calvin Ridley to suspension. So you lose your top two pass catchers like that. You're like, wow, the next person in that line is Kyle Pitts. You know they're going to draft Drake, Drake London and Cordell Patterson is still on the offense. But in terms of pass catchers, you know it's it's you know Kyle Pitts is reign supreme, or you would think would reign supreme in that offense. So it's very surprising to see him not getting these kind of numbers or not getting these kind of looks just solely based on that. Yeah. And I think he does fall on the sword for this offense so that it can be effective. You think logically about how teams play Kyle Pitts. He's going to, from the tight end position, put the defense in a really tough spot being that they can't go too heavy when he's, you know, if you, if you run six down linemen with Kyle Pitts being the guy on the end there, you have to be cognizant that you're not running out, you know, three linebackers putting eight in the box and then Kyle Pitts is running wild. So I think teams go smaller. They're able to run the ball better more often as well. Fourth most rushing attempts, third most rushing yards in Atlanta. So, you know, he's he's kind of the, I don't want to call him a decoy, but for better, for all intents and purposes, he's the one who is forcing the defense's hand and the Falcons are reacting from that. And, you know, so I guess we'll see because to say what they're doing with Kyle Pitts isn't working, I think would be a little bit of a stretch. Because we've seen their offense have some success. Matt, you, you talked about last week against the Bucs. They really were very close to coming back and winning that game. 15 unanswered points don't allow the Bucs to score in the fourth quarter. And are really close to, to coming back and really stunning the top of the NFC South. So it, maybe it's just that. Or, you know, it's, it's something that we're going to have to see from Kyle Pitts. But Emery, you like, you like the potential of Kyle Pitts to get right in the season, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, because the offense is going to dictate it. You get Brian Edwards back, um, which helps balance out things so they can't really double Pitts or double London. They're going to find some opportunities now because he can – Brian Edwards is a really good receiver in his own right. So I think the more they get acclimated with each other out there on the field at the same time, it opens things up 
uh, for, for each and everybody out there. Because, again, you can't double or try to take away one guy because the other guy is going to get one-on-one. And both London and Edwards can win one-on-one coverage. All right, Emery. Last person that we got to get to for breaking down or breaking out is, surprise, another another fantasy player of mine. We, we're not looking too hot this year, y'all. We, the draft didn't go Your to. team name should be the kiss of death. Apparently, I don't want to be on that team. And I and I talked about this guy when we when we had the offseason talking about who's going to break out this year. This was my pick. Juju Smith-Schuster of the Chiefs on pace for 75 receptions, 874 yards, which to me is even kind of surprising if you look at game to game how he's utilized in the Chiefs offense. The fact that he's on pace for nearly 900 yards is is kind of surprising to me. Um but not the production that we're used to seeing Juju have, especially his first couple years in Pittsburgh when he was having 1,200, 1,400-yard seasons and close to 10 touchdowns. So, Emery, in the, in the Chiefs offense, this is different from the past two guys we talked about where we have a struggling Juju or a guy in Juju who's not producing as we're used to, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the Chiefs all that crazy. So, is Juju breaking down or is he set to break out? I, I, again, I think it all depends on – you know, which day of the week I feel like he's set to break out. <laughs> you know, if you talk about those numbers in a real football sense, that's that's excellent numbers for a guy that's probably mm-hmm. the third option uh, in mm-hmm. their passing game. So you figure Kelsey, Miko Hardman, Juju, you know, in that order, you know. So for me, that's good numbers for him. And as he gets more acclimated with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, him, him understanding what Patrick is looking for and, and Mahomes understanding what Juju is doing out there on the field and, as the games get tighter, as the weather gets worse, you know, Juju is essentially serving as their possession guy, you know, mm-hmm. as another tight end type um, within that offense. You know, Miko Hartman is a deep guy. So I feel like, yeah, he's going to continue to have these numbers and then he'll have the splash game here or there. But as they're, you know, as the season goes on and the weather starts to deteriorate and the, you know, the, uh, the cohesiveness starts to build, they'll get better and better. So, definitely someone that tends to, that is tracking in the right direction. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you there, Emory. I think uh and especially talking about the splash game because I think that's kind of what ultimately is going to control and change that public narrative. Not that the narrative is super down on him, but he's been receiving aside from week 2 eight targets in every single game. As you mentioned, we saw Kelsey, uh, obviously their number one option dominate on Monday Night Football in the red zone. I think as the year goes on, you're going to see some of those looks go to Juju and these stats start to look a lot better. Uh, I just think overall, and this is like what I think what my bold take was before the season was that Miko Hardman would replace Tyreek Hill. That hasn't been the case, but what I think is apparent is they don't need a singular person to replace mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill if they play within their scheme. They're still a really, really good football team. So I think ultimately his numbers will improve, so I'll say that he's going to break out. And even with you know the performance, maybe if you want to call it a little lackluster, if you want to call it that, you know, they're still four and one, so no harm, no foul, in my opinion. That, I don't think Juju's been poor. I think this is what I, other than the touchdowns, which will come. Just it's, when you have that many yards, it's going to come. Um, mm-hmm. it, he he. Well, I don't think he replaced Tyreek Hill. I think he replaced the Sammy Watkins role. And the Sammy Watkins role on that Chiefs team was very important. Sammy Watkins caught one of the biggest passes in the Super Bowl when they won the Super Bowl 
He got like 700, 800 yards. I think Juju's a little better than that. Um, and he'll probably have, he'll throw in like an 80-yard touchdown a season um, that you always have to watch out for as well. I think this is what Juju is. If you just look at Juju without Antonio Brown for his career, he averages 48 yards per um, game. This year he's averaging 51. Um, Antonio Brown really gave Juju great opportunities to get in space, and that's mm-hmm. a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And Juju's not an all-pro player like we thought, like some people thought he might be, but he's still a really important player on a team that can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think this is the u- most unique player that we're talking about today because I feel like the answer to the question is he breaking down or breaking out is neither. Like he's not breaking down. Like this isn't this isn't a guy who's quote unquote like struggling or quote unquote having a down year. This is a guy who's in a different offense in a different system. It is now playing a role that suits him and the team best, and they're winning because of it. But I, I don't, I don't think that we're going to all of a sudden see Juju start eclipsing 100, 120 yard games with ten catches or anything. Like he's not due to do anything crazy in the next couple of weeks. I think if he continues to play this role, like we say, the touchdowns will come, some more yards will come. But that number two guy in the, in the Chiefs' offense isn't meant to eclipse a hundred yards. He's, he isn't meant to eclipse two, three, four touchdowns, right? He's meant to do what Juju is doing. And Emery, I love your point about when when it when the going gets rough and the weather starts getting cold, you're going to start to count on guys like Juju, like Travis Kelsey, to be those big um, possession guys and those, and those almost security blankets for Patrick Mahomes to go to. And hopefully Juju can do that. But I think it's funny because what we, not funny, but interesting, an observation I've made of what we haven't seen from the Chiefs offense is the, We've seen the creativeness. We've seen the scramble plays. But we haven't seen those, uh, those, those Madden-like plays that end up in 60-yard bombs where Patrick Mahomes is getting outside the pocket, throwing something so deep beyond the defense that only Tyreek Hill is able to go and get it. But what they're still doing is getting their, their speed, their speed players, their special players, the ball in space, like a Nicole Hardman, uh, like a Travis Kelsey. Guys Marcus who are still... Scantling. Yeah, yeah, still able to. He had a crazy job last weekend, but still getting the ball in space to guys who can make plays. Um, and Juju's just, he's not that guy in the Chiefs offense, but that number two role is something that is vital for them, something that he can fill, something that we thought he was going to bring maybe something new to the Chiefs offense, and we were mistaken because it's not new. They've seen it with Sammy Watkins. Juju's might be a, a bigger name, so we're expecting a little bit more, but I think he's playing his role obviously to a T and Emery, is this something that you think you think this role, this production that Juju has in the chiefs offense, do you think that's something that they were anticipating coming into the season or are they anticipating something different? And this role is kind of just working for them. You know, I think it's, you know, six, one way half does another. They expected production. They're getting it. I think the difference has been this season. They're running the football a lot better. So that Mm -hmm. takes away from their need to, throw the football 45 times a game because they're they're actually able to close out games a little bit better uh, with their run game. Oh, 100%. 100%. All right. So, y'all, 
Jig, did you answer breaking down or breaking out for Juju? I think he's going to break out. I did say I thought a splash game would be upcoming. Forgot that they have Buffalo and San Fran on the schedule. So maybe so that'll not wait. One of those two couple- games. Yeah. Not one of those games. <laughs> maybe you'll have to wait for a couple of weeks. I- I'm overall, I'm bullish. I think that Juju's going to be a really useful target for them as the season progresses and as they get more co- uh, confident. For sure. Stop, Matt. Breaking down or breaking out? If I were to, I'm going to study the course, but I guess break. Um, Breaking out because I actually think if he doesn't have a carry this year, Reed will find a way to get some juicy carries in and he'll get his touchdown numbers up a bit. So like he'll be slightly better than he has been so far this year, but nothing's nothing like crazy. Some juicy carries? What's a what's a no, like juicy Andy carry? Reed draws up these wacky plays that work. He'll still find some like weird reverses to get Juju rushing yards. He doesn't For have sure. a rushing attempt this year. For sure. We've been seeing the Chiefs put some defenses' brains in an absolute pretzel this season, as, as they're used as to doing. Usual. But as per usual. But that ends the first half uh, of this podcast, the first segment. We got to thank once again Emery Hunt, founder of Football Game Plan and also color analyst over there at CBS Sports HQ, man. It was a blast having you on the pod. Hope you had fun with us, man. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Keep doing great work. Thanks, Emery. Thank you, sir. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all, moving on to the second half of our episode. We had a great talk with Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan about some NFL, but something that is kind of snuck up on me, and I know it snuck up on y'all because we haven't really talked about it on the pod yet. The NBA starts, like, next week. Like, like we're tipping off the NBA very, very soon, which means, like, we should probably start talking about the NBA on this pod a little bit, right? Like, if, if we are straight facts, like, we should, we should probably get into it. There needs to be an adjustment of the yearly sports calendar because there is zero reason why I should have to be preoccupied with the NFL when I want to be excited for the NBA. We should just move mm-hmm. the NFL into the MLB season Honestly, completely overlap it. I don't care. Sounds and then we have the NBA, which is actually I don't know if they're number two in the, in America. Probably have overtaken baseball at this point. But but I digress. I digress. Really, really. Are you serious? Because there's not a person in the in the in America who watched the World Series last year. Not one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not just one. No, like, baseball's a local sport, so like the local TV ratings are way better than the local TV ratings for basketball games. The mm. national ratings are better for basketball, but there's way more local TV games than there are national TV games. Okay. Well, we're letting it. We're letting MLB take over right now, we, and we shouldn't. Because the reason I brought that up is because we're going to get into some NBA talk, and we're just going to do some quick bolt predictions for the upcoming NBA season. And then in the next coming weeks, the next coming pods, y'all know, the Straight Facts listeners know, we will dive completely head deep into the NBA. But for now... Let's just get some bold predictions off. So, Jake, I'm going to go to you first. What bold predictions you got for this upcoming season? So, uh, there was a exhibition game that went down, I think, last week uh, between the G League Ignite and, I think, a grouping of upcoming prospects uh, that were also in that game, one of which was our guy Victor Wembanyama, who, in my opinion, is going to show the nation that tanking, not only is it not dead, but it's never been as rampant as it will be this year. We've already seen Utah. Like, is there any surprise? Granted, Danny Ainge, first year in there, wants to make his mark. But is there any surprise that this is the year that Utah decides to go rock bottom when there's a guy like Wembanyama in the draft? I also think beyond Utah, who's getting their work done early in terms of blowing up their team, you're going to see some other teams um, that maybe traditionally are powerhouses. Like, for instance, the Spurs have zero reason to compete this year. We're going mm. to see the Spurs get rid of any tangible asset at some point during this year that is good, that is a veteran, that isn't a young player, and they're going to bottom out to try and get Victor Wembanyama. And I, the reason I, I, I like, the reason why I like you saying the Spurs is because let's not forget who started this whole tanking thing. That man, Greg Popovich, had an MVP. And David Robinson and sat that man down on purpose so they could get Tim Duncan and go some win some more championships. And Pop is unlike anybody else. The Sixers were the only team that was kind of close to doing what Pop did in terms of tanking and was outward about it and was like, yes, he's sitting. Yes, I want to lose games. Yes, I want him in the draft. Like that, that, that is my plan. Here it is. I'm not, I'm not hiding it. So if he's done it once to start his really his Spurs run in his tenure, why not bookend it with two legendary tanking performances to get top big men? Why why not? Why not just double down on it, Pop? Um, 
But I don't think tanking has ever been dead in the NBA or maybe probably just the NBA, probably the sport who does it the most. I don't think it's ever been dead. I just think people aren't as outward about it as Greg Popovich and the, what, 2013, 2014 Sixers. Yeah. 2015 Sixers. There were a lot of teams that tanked outside of those two teams. The Sixers I know, got that's bad. what I'm saying. The Sixers got a lot of press for it because they were and the well, outcome, all told people. No, no, and the out yeah, and the outcome of the Spurs tanking was so obviously great that like it became like a story. But like mm-hmm. the Cavs tank for LeBron, the Cavs tank for Kyrie. Kyrie, I was like, yeah. for Kyrie. Like and people have tanked like the Warriors tanked for Harrison Barnes, like when they dropped Harrison Barnes because they tanked like you look at some like they played like some really bad players like forty eight minutes. Like the game 82 that they needed to lose. Well, I, I want to make it clear though. I think that the tanking I'm referencing, like it, I would agree every single year it happens in the sense that towards the end of the year, teams realize what they are or they aren't going to be able to make the playoffs. And at that point, you go into what's best for the franchise. Let's lose some games. What I think we're seeing here and what we saw with the Sixers is a pointed approach. Like I want this singular player. Not that I want to improve my draft standing. I'm going to actively try to lose to acquire a singular player. I I don't think it's happened uh, since the Sixers tried to go winless for Andrew Wiggins. Um, They still ended up with a pretty great player. Winless for Wiggins. Hey, man, eight years, ten years later, however long it's been, that's came back around. He's a solid NBA player. To the floor for over I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, Oh! So I think we're going to see that. There's going to be some fun names for Wembley. What did y'all do for Nerlens? What was what I don't remember the Simmons one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Nerlens was um, he was a trade on draft day. Yeah, he was. We were we were the 11th pick and we traded up for Nerlens. Trade up for him. Um, All right, so then your bold take begs the question: Do you believe the hype in Victor Wembayama? Is he is he okay? Not just believe the hype because you'd be a fool not to believe the hype. Is it true? Do you think he's the, the best prospect since LeBron? Since LeBron and I'll cave, but I'll caveat it with this. Everyone who's the best prospect is the next best prospect since LeBron James. Zion Williamson was the best prospect since LeBron James. Why is Victor Wambayama not the best prospect since Zion Williamson? If he was the next best prospect since LeBron James. LaMelo Ball was the next point. best prospect since LeBron James. You know what I mean? We've had multiple next best prospects since LeBron. So that statement is, I've gotten a little desensitized to that statement. Now, run the tape. And yeah, he's the best prospect since LeBron James. But, but you just saying that to me, like I've got really desensitized to that statement because I've heard it so much. But answer, to but answer the question, do you think he is the best prospect since the chosen one? Uh, yes, and I hear you, but I think he's better than Zion. He's better than LaMelo. He's better than the guys who you have listed, who at Luca who have been brought up as these heir apparents. And also, it's something that you should, I think, expect that with LeBron now coming to the end of his career, they want to, you know, the fan base, the league wants to put a tag on someone and say, he's our next, you know, wonder kid above and beyond. And I truly, truly, truly believe Victor Wembanyama playing since with grown men since he was like 16 years old, 7'4 with a jumper and a crossover, like, Never seen that someone that that big, that tall, that lanky, I, and that smooth. Never I remember. Seen Never seen well, I remember when I was like really getting into Wilt Chamberlain for the first time and reading about all the Wilt stories. 
and reading about how like there are people who like say Wilt shouldn't be allowed to play because it will destroy the game because he's the the physicality of size and the skill altogether is just unfair. And I never understood that argument. And now watching Victor Wembanyama like be seven four and do like Kevin Durant step back threes, I'm like, oh, I I can see like I had that like instinctually. Like, Wait, but this isn't fair. You can't do yeah. anything. Like like when someone's great and they're six foot six. You can still like put a hand like right up in their face and block their shot if you time it like perfectly. But if they're like unstoppable at seven five or seven four, however tall he's gonna is it's like I'm like low key worried that like it'll make <laughs> it less interesting because there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's like a win yeah, button. It's, well, it's like Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis, you know, when he's on. It's it's a matter if he misses the yeah, shot. Yeah, but five, five extra inches on that's, them. It's five inches. That's the difference between James Harden <sighs> and Michael Jordan. And that's no, that's less than it. Yeah. James Harden six three. Steph Curry and Michael Jordan. That's a size difference between Durant. Yeah, and no, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. And I and I, you know what I love the naysayers. What what the naysayers pick out first for Victor Wembanyama. What's what's the easiest, the low hanging fruit that is the reason he's not going to be good? Frame. I if I had to guess. Frame. Frame. You know how much I you have it. to eat. <laughs> yeah. years, it's 18 years old to I, not be I, skinny when you're that you're tall. Right. <laughs> I, I, I hear it. And I always try to debunk it. Now I try to debunk it with Chet Holmgren and he proved me wrong mm. in a pro-am in a pro-am. But everyone gains size when they get to the league. Everyone gains muscle when they get to the league, especially the tall, skinny, lanky guys. Like everyone puts that on. So he's, I know that's going to come. His body's not even matured yet. That's and like he's, like he's here's a the thing. He's not. You can't compare him to Chet because sure there were definitely question marks about Chet's physicality because he's playing against college kids. Victor Wembanyama is playing against men, and he has been doing so. So like and cooking them. Right. It's them. it's it's going to be <laughs> scary. Now I will say this: <clears throat> he has probably maybe a higher ceiling than Luca did coming in. I still, I got a little more mesmerized in watching Luca than I did Victor Wembanyama. This doesn't make sense. The straight presence and the straight stature is mesmerizing, but watching Luca score the ball and do what he did at the pace he did, at the frame that even Luca has, and playing the position he did was special. And I still think I, I, I. I think I liked Luca's game, or I was more infatuated with Luca as a European prospect coming in as a 17, 18 year old than I am with Victor Wembayama. Still a number one overall pick, still probably going to have an amazing career. I would still bottom out my franchise to go get him if I had the chance. But if I had to put him or Luca coming up against each other, I'm probably still going Luca. I go Luca too, just because there's a long history of people over seven foot two. Having short NBA careers, just because only about like about ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, about no, like ten of them. no, like Sean Bradley was like known as like a bust, but he actually played like eleven years in the NBA as like a role player, which is like impressive. Like Yao Ming, Foot, Ralph Sampson, and it's just like all these people got hurt so quick. Greg Oden, and the fact that Wenbayama is the first prospect in my life as a basketball educated person. It was nine when LeBron got drafted. 
that I'm watching as a prospect, this guy could like legit be the greatest player to ever play basketball. I've never felt that way about anyone before. Um, but I'd still like, if I had to pick between the two, I'd pick Luca just because like as a prospect, now we see Luca as like an MVP candidate. Now it's easy to, you pick the MVP, but, um, just because I didn't have injury worries about him. That's true. Always good. All right, Jake, give me your second bowl prediction. All right. This one hurts, but it's the truth. And it, <laughs> I, I say the truth. So, um, if the Sixers do not make the conference finals, the roster will be overhauled, blown up, one could say. Um, I think the only two real redeemable pieces going forward beyond, you know, a, a two-year stretch, if I'm – the Sixers are Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Um, that's not so you get rid of everyone. But I do think that, you know, there's a reason that James Harden signed the deal that he did the way that he signed it. There's a reason that, uh, you know, Tobias Harris, for, for as, as much crap as we've dragged him through, is still on this roster this offseason is because this is it. Like, this is the final, either you get it done or we're going to have to change up the core. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to be Mr. Negative. I do think this is the best roster Embiid has ever had. I'll go as far to say that. Um, and that's another reason. But through the coaching staff to the supporting cast around Embiid, everyone should be on notice this year if they want to stay in Philadelphia, because this is the year, in my opinion. I also think you can add Daryl Morey to the list. Ooh. I wasn't going to go that far. But, uh, I, don't, I don't think it would be the right decision. But I could, I could definitely see the Sixers vendors going like, this is, I'm bored of this. Just, just let's blow up everything and start over. They are dummies. They're not smart. They're not oh, basketball okay. people, the owners. I'm, I'm not saying they, I'm I, Maury wouldn't deserve it. I'm just saying I don't have faith in the Sixers ownership. I mean, Maury brought y'all the reason y'all have hope every offseason. Mm-hmm. Got Al Horford up on out of here. Got Ben Simmons up on out of here. Or no, you can get Ben Simmons up on out of here. He um, did. Yeah, for Harden. Yeah, got, yeah, got, got Ben Simmons on up out of here. Like, got Josh Richardson up James out Harden, of here. Got Josh Richardson. Brought Seth Curry up in here. Brought P.J. Tucker and Trez and drafted Maxi. Hello. Demo, the reason y'all got any confidence. By the way, uh, I think this year we're really going to step back and say, wow, the Nets got fleeced in that trade. I won't go. I don't have to go into either side of it. That's your bias. Ju- That's your bias. Talking. I'm going to just leave it talking. laying there. They got fleeced I- because we're going to see my man Jimmy Harden balling. I think, I think what James Harden does with y'all has no bear, not no bearing, but doesn't have as much bearing on the fleecing as how well the Nets do and how Ben Simmons is in their role, is in his role with the Nets. But that's that's a different situation. That's your bias talking. That's your wow, cynical side I talking. So disagree with you, and I'm mad. I can't respond. <laughs> you can't. I'm not going to let you retort. I'm not going to let you retort. I'm going to get back to your take, Jake, because the reason I like you saying the conference finals and not making the finals, not making the championship, is because the conference finals is a tangible, very tangible place that Embiid has not gone to or the Sixers core has not gone to. And a lot of teams or a lot of instances when you would have said the roster gets overhauled, it's because they didn't win a championship or they didn't make the finals. And that's not the case for the Sixers. I I think if you guys make the finals, obviously if you win a championship, but even if you make the finals, I think a lot of your roster stays a lot. You know, it's like, hey, we we, we got right there. Run it back and and let's go get this thing. Um, but if you don't make the conference finals, if you get bounced in the second round again, 
I do think a lot of people are done banging their head against the proverbial wall. And Doc Rivers is is 1,000% gone if you guys have a, a terrible exit like that. Um, but then, you know, I think that I don't I, – I, I do see a, the all, all the ripple effect happening. Like if the Doc best, goes, I see James Harden. Like, why am I here? Let's 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 go somewhere else. Try to win a championship, and then all your one year deals leave and don't resign the PJ Tuckers, the Trezes, the you know all that. They don't they don't come back for an extra year. And now your your roster looks a whole lot different next year. There's a scenario where the Sixers start like eight and thirteen, and they fire Doc Rivers, and because they started poorly, they win the finals. Because Doc Rivers isn't there to screw up the playoffs. Um, um, but I'm just thinking like Philly with Rob Thompson kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't go that far. I, I think that would be a I bad hear thing. You. No, no, I'm not going to yeah. root for that because I'm not. That's just the only thing to root for. So, but baseball's like, a long season. No, yeah. no, but that's <laughs> a lot of baseball. You can, you can look at the Celtics last year. Celtics yeah, were really yeah, hey. struggling at the midway point last year, and they were the two seed. Yeah, I just want to. Yeah, the only thing, true. last point, like. This uh, Joel Embiid is three to four years left in his career. Like, wake up, Sixers fans. Joel Embiid likely has four to five more years. I'll say where good he years. is, where good he years. is a centerpiece. Well, I mean, right? Good years, or it could be it, like that's just a scary thing, and this is why it's so important this year. You just don't know. He's already mm. been like way over what you expected. He's your franchise centerpiece. You just don't know how long it's going to last. This has to be the year. And I think people don't realize how fleeting a championship window is. Yeah. Like when you're in the midst of a championship window, you do think that that is going to last for a long time. You do. Like you're, you're like, oh, we're, we have a championship team. The, the phrase championship mm-hmm. team starts getting used real loosely. Like, you know, like a championship window, most 99% of the time, a championship window is a good three maybe four years for 99% of the 99% of teams outside of the Warriors or anyone who plays next to LeBron James. That that's the it's an opportunity you get to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And you're at the end of that window. Right now is the end of that window. So like But you have that experience. Forward. I think as of where it stands right now, this Sixers team is basically the Clippers teams that you rooted for with Chris Paul. Yeah, last legacy. That's their legacy. And what's the legacy. common thread? And they always lose in the second round. <laughs> and then they don't win. And they have J.J. Redick. And they have Doc Rivers. And they yeah. Have, <laughs> and they have DeAndre Jordan for a little bit. <laughs> but but it, it's just, and it's just like, and it's like, and, and then the Clippers all of a sudden were like, oh, they have no shot. Once the Warriors came, it's like, oh, Clippers have no yeah. shot of winning any title. It's done. It's yeah. done. It's done. It's absolutely done. All right. I'm going to go with my bull predictions next. Um, get this out of the way. I really like what the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing. You guys heard me say it about the New York Jets. My friends all mock me about what I say with the Jets, but it's true with the Cavs. The Cavs are building something with the moves they made last season, um, acquiring Jared Allen, getting Karis LeVert. Now he's going to come back fully healthy. You get a guy like Darius Garland who had a breakout season last year. Um, young guys like Isaac O'Carroll and then I really like Donovan Mitchell and how he's going to seemingly fit in the Cavs offense. I, I don't think, like, he's not going to have the responsibility to be the bulk scorer that he was with Utah. That scoring is going to get evened out and fleshed out through a lot more people in that Cavs offense and on that Cavs team. 
Um, it takes more pressure off him, allows him to do more of what else that he's good at, probably be more of a high motor guy now with that, all that responsibility weighing on him. So my bold prediction for the Cavs is I think they finish top four seed in the East, or I'll say I can see them finishing top four seed in the East um, this season when it's all said and done. Like, I really think the Cavs can, can start to take that next leap. Yeah, they, they're shockingly deep. Like, looking at their team, you know, you, you just look at the guys who are going to be on the wing for them. Um, you mentioned Karis LeBert. You mentioned uh, CD, Chetty Osman, who does not – I don't think – I mean, he's a solid player. He's not anything to write home about, but he's solid. Isaac Okoro, Isaac another Okoro. very, very solid player. You have Kevin Love, who has all the experience in the world. Ricky Rubio coming back. I mean, they have players. That's not to mention, obviously, they're big players in Garland, Mitchell, and Jared Allen. The only thing I wonder is, do they run in? Evan Mobley. Don't forget about Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley, too. I did forget about Evan Mobley. Yep. So, point being, this team kind of reminds me of the Jazz. Like, the really good Jazz team that had all the wings, all the shooters. They had the big defensive center. They had Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think that what will ultimately hold them up is what held up Utah. In the sense that unless Donovan Mitchell becomes someone who is a stopper or at least, as you said, a high motor player on the defensive end, um, which I think he can be. I don't think Cleveland's better than Boston or or Philly or even Miami. That being said, they could still not be better than those three teams and still make your bold prediction come true being the fourth best team. Best team. So 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. For also, logistic uh, reasons, for, for, for logistic reasons. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You have to take out one of these four teams to be in the top. Philly, Boston, Miami, and Brooklyn? Right. Wow. Philly, Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee. Milwaukee's Those the are real watcher thought. And they have, to, yeah. they have to hop Brooklyn because Brooklyn was ahead of them. Right, so I really think Milwaukee was the given of that's not going to happen. So it, you're, really, you're really fighting the race of Philly, Boston, and Miami, of, of the teams that you could jump to get into that four seed. They could jump Miami. They could. Is it, li- is it likely? Is it likely? No. Yeah. But they could, but they could overtake Miami – for that four spot, think about this, Jake. We we talked we were talking about the Cavs deeper into the season last year than we ever anticipated. Mm-hmm. I'm talking late December, January conversations of the Cavs are in the fourth spot, and the All Star break is around the corner. Yeah. So yeah, they, mm-hmm. so now you get a guy like Donovan Mitchell who is used to keeping a top spot. I've done. I've been the one seed throughout the whole regular season. I've ended with the best record with the best record in the NBA. Like, I know how to not bottom out and not fall out at the end of the season. Guys like Darius Garland, who now come back a little bit more experienced. Guys like Jared Allen, who come back a little bit more experienced. All-star seasons under their belt. Like, I think the only difference between the Cavs not finishing in there last year and finishing there this year, that difference is Donovan Mitchell. Like, that helps you I'm keep a board. spot like that. Also, seeding doesn't mean you think they're a top four team in the East. Like the Jazz, when they were at the best record in the NBA, right. everyone knew they weren't the best team in the NBA. Exactly. Like they just got exactly. they got the one seed. Like they, it's like right. like they could have like the two seed, and everyone knows that if they play Milwaukee, who's the three seed, they'll be heavy East underdogs is- in the series. The East is a little bit harder to do that. There's less fools goal. There's couple. There's been a couple of fools goals at the top of the Western Conference. No, but like Boston, not really fools goal. Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly all tied for the same record last year. Like so, it's 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 a it's at 51 wins. That's not like this really high bar. Miami had right. 50. The East was very bunched up together, and like it's absolutely reasonable to think. I think well, Cleveland gets 50 wins. That might get them a four seed. And that's, I think that's why I'm saying there's a little less fool's gold in the Eastern Conference. When you have all that, that means like every, like there's no, no one's, no one's jumping ahead of the pack. No one's kind of like getting lucky and getting his extra with. There's all, everyone's beating each other in the, at the top of the Eastern Conference. So you really got to be battle tested by the end of the season to stay up there. You're not just going to kind of leg out a race at the top of the East. Um, but I'll move on to my next bold prediction. And I think that this is, a breakout breakout season for Anthony Edwards. We saw the little bit of the breakout last year, his second year in the league doing wild things, but this is the year where it all comes to fruition. And he finally gets those accolades. I'm putting down my bold prediction. Anthony Edwards makes it all NBA team next season. I would agree with could you, be, except there's the fact that their offense is going to be a disaster and yeah. it's going to harm everything that's near it. 
because it's so structured. It's structured so poorly. Like, yeah, every, it's not worried about Anthony Edwards. It's just their offense is going to be so structured poorly that Edwards will will not have an opportunity to have the stats to get I from all NBA. I disagree. Anthony Edwards is a get his kind of player, and I think I think he's been good about getting his within the frame of the offense because the Timberwolves were headed in an upward trajectory. So it's he's playing within the scope of the team, but. I, I can 100% see that if the offense isn't working and stuff's not moving, it's a this. <laughs> Give me the ball and get out, get of, the out of the way. And <laughs> get out of the way. I'm, I'm, Anthony Edwards is going to get his 25. So, Whether that leads to a Timberwolves win or not, we can discuss. But my, Anthony Edwards is going to get his 25 and 7, for sure. For yeah, sure. I think Anthony Edwards probably, like what I imagine the offense being like is we're going to run a, a ton of two-man game with Anthony Edwards and Gobert, being that Rudy Gobert, if he is not being involved as a screener and a roller, he's just a seven-foot impediment that what you have doing? to work around out there. But so, you know what? You know why I agree with Matt why the offense is going to be bad? Because yes, they'll run that high screen wall, that two-man actually Gobert. And Cat's the shooter. And Cat's the shooter. All day. Like, all, like, that's all he does. Which is fine. He's actually a good three-point shooter, but you probably want him doing other things, which is where it gets a little hairy, and I agree with He's you. He's a like, good three-point shooter for a center. Now make him a <laughs> seven-point shooting guard. <laughs> Put him in the Clay Thompson role, right? Yeah, yeah, no. He, he, becomes, he becomes a not right, He's the best shooting big man of all time. Just ask Cat. Yeah. He is, it's, though. This no, disgusting. it's Dirk. It's on, on eye test and basketball IQ, yes. But Did Dirk with, ever with win the, the numbers? contest? No, but, no, but I don't know. <laughs> but I'm the stat. I'm stat Matt. And you are so, it's so clearly <laughs> Dirk is a better shooter than Cat. He did the step back fadeaways. Like, it's Cat shoots open corner threes and shoots 40%. <laughs> and it's like, oh, look at the numbers. Like, it's just like, the fact that was, you can say, it's like, it's so obviously Dirk. It's just like, oh, John Stop Elway that. had a worse career passer rating than Kirk Cousins, so Kirk Cousins is better. It's just like, just shut up. Stat, stat Matt just came roaring out of the stat cave to, to mark his territory. That was like the Gandalf, you <laughs> shall not pass. Like, I, I love Stat Matt. I love you. I try to throw stats in his turns. I. I am stat Matt. You don't throw stats at me. I am stats at you. Like, what? Get out of here. All right, stat Matt. Ride the momentum, man. Give me your bold takes. And I probably won't dispute any of them the way you the way you act. The Clippers are going to win the NBA Finals is my bold prediction. Hmm. Uh, obviously, this depends on whether Kawhi Leonard plays because that's about 50-50 over the past five years, maybe less. Yeah, that's like their biggest team weakness is so, their best I was suiting up. Uh, I'm still scarred by the 2019 playoffs of how much Kawhi Leonard hurt me. Um, And not just the shot, that whole series, he was dominant. I Mm. think people, because he doesn't play a lot of games, people forget how good he is. And when he is in a playoff performance, and other than the bubble, which which is Clipper, Doc Rivers, mojo combined together um Hmm. he just destroys and obliterates teams hope like he plays as much like jordan as like late career jordan did that i've ever seen and i don't care that he has less career points than tobias harris and they're in the same draft class 
he is an all-time great. And if he's healthy with Paul George, with a championship coach like Ty Lue, mm-hmm. they are absolutely a championship team. You know, well, I mean, okay, for, first of all, first of all, um, I think the fact that he has less career points than Tobias Harris, the, it has to, like a a blind man can see that and be like, oh, he's played, he's probably played ha- like half of every season then. Like if he got less career points than Tobias Harris, he's he's playing 30 games a season. That's One thing about Toby, he always gets his, to be fair. Always gets his. Every team. Yeah, that, that 19. That 19. 19 is banking. banking every night. <laughs> Toby will get that. But why, why I'm so bullish on the Clippers? One, this John Wall has all of the aura of a second chance type player. Like, a, you counted me out. I'm back here to prove that I'm John Wall, but he doesn't have to be the carrier of the team. John Wall is now the third option on offense. And in any stage of his career, John Wall being the third option on offense means your offense is really good. Like, I don't, I don't really care what, you know, what kind of John Wall you're getting. Third option, John Wall, you're one and two, probably really good. And oh, you're one and two are Kawhi and Paul George. And this is a team in the Clippers who was making second rounds in conference finals without Kawhi. Yeah. With, with, with just Paul George screaming, help me. And now we finally, presumably, this is all contingent on your right, Matt, of Kawhi plays and plays a full season. But now he has help in the name of Kawhi Leonard. He has help in the name of Paul George. And you want to talk about a deep team all of a sudden? Like the Clippers top to bottom, you blink and are like, where did this depth come from? Uh- I was just about to Where? make that point. Norman Powell, Luke Kennard. Reggie Guys Jackson like now is deaf because Jackson. you had John Wall. Like Reggie Jackson Lovington. is by far and away the best point the best backup point guard in the league. Like, by far and away. He's starting on 75% of franchises mm. in the NBA. And you're and gonna rest right. John Wall a lot during the season, and you're gonna slot Reggie Jackson in and you won't miss and the not beat. And not, Reggie Jackson won him, won him. Many games last year. One of the opening night game against the Lakers, the famous skip. Who could ever forget it? Um, but yeah, an incredibly deep Clippers team. And this is also the year that I think Ty Lu gets his just, just do. Mm. Not you won a championship because of LeBron, but this is a guy who's he's been in and around them finals, been in and around them championships with multiple franchises. He finally gets that stigma off his back. Yeah, and maybe it's just being around Kyle for the last year. I think Ty Lue has had his praises sung a little bit. Why um, Kyle? But he deserves them. <laughs> Nobody deserves it. I'm not going to. I won't yeah. push back. Miss my, my, dog my Kyle, second by the way. point, low prediction. I don't think the uh, Celtics will finish a top four seed in the East. That sounds, the will. That sounds very hater. I think it's going to be Brooklyn. Um, uh, that sounds very hater. But I, I still think they're a championship contender out of the East. I just think the whole offseason. Coaching, yep. front office, organizational mess, disaster that happened, plus uh, losing the finals hangover, plus just like they're going to have a slow start to the season. And I just think they'll be kind of, by the time they get their feet back under them, they'll only be able to salvage the fifth seed. Could they yeah. win the yeah. East from the fifth seed? Definitely. For sure. But I think they're For really sure. going to struggle this regular season compared to how they finished last regular season. I, I like that. And I like the point. I love the point when you say 
they could still be a championship contending team from that seed. Because no one thought Brooklyn wasn't a championship contending team at any point in the season. And they were in the play-in. They were literally playing a playing game with teams saying, like, you got to contend with Brooklyn coming out the East. Like, they're in a playing game. Which, it was hilarious to me. So that just goes to show you that being that far down or being in a latter part of the East doesn't mean that you can't be a championship contending team. But losing Ime Udoka is, is, is going to be... That's the impact to the Celtics because he was the impact when he was there. Like everyone talked about when the Celtics turned it around. A lot of it was Marcus Smart kind of, you know, being that vocal leader. A lot of it was Jason Tatum stepping up and playing better as the best player on the team. But majority of it was kind of just the leadership and kind of the energy that Ime Udoka brought as kind of this professional basketball organization that we're going here to work. And when you, when, that kind of image is broken and falls in the way that it did for Ime Udoka. I think your your young guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the best players on your team, are kind of looking for that head coach and leadership and being like, one, I thought it was you and it's not. That hurts. And now, can I trust this next coach coming in? And do I even? Because I trusted Ime and you're not Ime. You don't talk like him. You don't walk like him. You don't coach like him. Like, this, that's not what we were built. You're not what we were built on. Uh, and Ime, that that kind of, you know what I mean? That kind of structure, that's what the Celtics were, were built on through the latter part of that season, and it carried them to a championship. Uh, you know, it, it really proves, what this proves, first off, I agree with you. I think they'll probably be outside of the top four seeds because a lot of that stability is gone. What this proves is those players must really dislike Brad Stevens because Brad Stevens is still there. Their last coach who had them as a very successful team is still with hey, the franchise. The G- with the GM now. So in a situation where do I bring in an interim coach or do I bring in a former what did well, he ever win coach of the year? I mean he's a good coach. Yeah, it's not like an interim that I think they found. Like Missoula was right, in right. the like He's right, he was an assistant coach yeah. most likely. All I'm saying is it in you know, other organizations we see people transcend roles. And granted, once you go into the front office, you don't always come back. Uh you don't usually come back, but we've seen Pat Riley and Phil Jackson kind of traverse the different roles within a front office and the coaching staff. So I just, I think it's a little telling, but Hey man, I'm all here for it. They're going to miss the playoffs. How about that? Let's go say that they're going to miss the playoffs. I'll be rooting for it. So I'm Hannah storm and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gabriel. 
Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Cristina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, it was funny because he said the Celtics are going to miss the four seed. You got to smile. And then he was like, well, I think Brooklyn gets it. And your smile drops. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about like, those guys. Oh. Them, huh? Yeah. Them. And... Uh, my last bold prediction is that there will be an NBA record six teams that have fewer than 20 wins. That's a 231 win percentage. So I even went through like the COVID year, the 60 game, 66 game season, the 50 game strike year, and I found that win percentage. The most that it ever was was five in 1998. I think we got a real shot at six this year. Tanking is six tanking. tanking. Who is the six team? So it's going to be the Jazz, it's going to be the Spurs, it's going to be the Knicks. I think they bought him out early. It's going to be the Thunder, wow. it's going to be the Rockets, it's going to be the Blazers, it's going to be the Kings. They're wow! Like it's, there's a, going to be a lot of teams. And <laughs> you could have actually some like really inflated win totals from like higher seeds just because of a lot of teams just bottoming, bottoming, bottoming out. The Blazers and the Knicks don't give above a 231 win percentage? No, no, but those are the contenders. So I threw out eight teams there. Yeah. So six of them will do it. So let's take those two out. Because <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know if they get that bad. I don't know if they get that bad. Both teams have the potential to be bad. Not bad. I don't think they get that bad. But you never know what happens. Once Victor Wembanyama comes into arm's reach, all you got to do is just trade three players, and you can be bad enough to get Victor. Oh, okay. Yeah, his arms reaches the parking lot. So right. Half the league. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, everyone's got a chance. That's going to be crazy. But that's a, a little preview, a little, a little toe in the water of NBA content for y'all. As I said, we will dive fully deep into NBA content pretty soon. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. As always, we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Jake, you got something to say at the buzzer? Um. So I think this is probably just, you know, Eagles fandom point of view. This is like the quietest Dallas week lead up I have ever experienced as an Eagles fan. I feel like there was zero buzz around it. 
And I don't know if it's because people expect the Eagles to come out and like steamroll Cooper Rush. I do. But I, I'm this, nervous. This, this has all the makings of a trap game. All of the makings of a trap game. So no, 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 no. I'm a little worried. Be, but. I don't think it's – you can't be trapped if the Cowboys are 4-1. and one. No, they so stink. They're a bad 4-1. No, no, no. I wish they were, but they're not. They're their, defense is, their, okay. defense, their defense is really good. It's okay. What's up with y'all not believing the good teams in your division? No, no, they're the Giants okay. Still I'm still no, the, Giants still, the Giants still stink. I don't care if they beat the Packers. London game. Thank you for your wake-up. If the Giants turn out to be a good football team, I'll be the last person in the world to admit it. And you know what? If the Eagles go out and smash Dallas... I don't want to hear that Dallas wasn't that good. I don't want to hear it in next week's episode. Dallas is if we if I don't think so. I think we could like shut out Dallas, but I don't think I don't think we're gonna struggle with that more than like seventeen points, bro. Yeah. So no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Y'all not shutting out Dallas. No, no, and um, you're not you're not gonna shut out Dallas. And I'm with Matt. I don't think it's a quiet week because y'all think you're gonna steamroll it. I think it's the opposite. (laughs) Like it's a quiet week because you're like. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, like when when Dak went down, y'all was loud. Can't wait to see Dallas. Can't wait for Week Six. Can't wait. Me and then and me. then Cooper Rush rattled off four straight wins, and you're like scooping on the bus stop. Like oh. it was me. You're describing me. This was me on this <laughs> podcast. So you're correct in that. <laughs> that is why, Matt. You got something to say at the buzzer? So this is a little different. I found, just stumbled upon on YouTube, this show called Game Changer. It just has shorts on YouTube. And you know how a lot of, like, if you ever watch SNL, a lot of it's bad because it's live and they can't cut when there's a mess up. So it's improv with people that know each other very well. The host knows all the people, like, very well, so he knows their strengths. So he does all the prompts that play to their strengths. And it's improv, but they cut the stuff that doesn't work. So it makes a great show. So like the shorts are on YouTube for free. I'm on my second day of a three-day free trial for like the full episodes. I'm TBD on whether I'm going to cancel it. It's very <laughs> funny. Very well, funny. Next week we need we we need the follow up. Yeah, to see week. the did Matt did Matt renew the subscription. It's called we Game Changer. Need. You said, and the, it's mean. on the website dropout.tv. Because um, it's all the former college humor people who I didn't ever really like. As, Matt, what corner, what corner of the web are you on, buddy? How come they are on YouTube.com? Because yeah. I want to get paid. No, the Game Changer Shorts is a YouTube channel. It's all like short gotcha. clips. Oh, gotcha. No, gotcha, but it's, gotcha, like, gotcha it's like gotcha, funny gotcha, clips. Gotcha. It's like McDonald's comes out with a new burger called the Macbeth. And it's a guy who's like really into like Macbeth. And he like does like a whole like monologue about like the ad for it. And it's funny. Improv's funny. I'm I'm... I love those kind of shows. I'm a laugh when you're supposed to laugh guy. So I'm the best person to take to like a comedy show or to, to go take to see that new funny movie that you think is really good. Because right. if I know I'm supposed to laugh, you're going to laugh out of me. You will. Like, I'm just, I'm playing funny my part. Not. Funny you're not. Like, if it's if it's really not funny, like, I'll, you'll probably get like a, huh. But like, you know what I mean? If the joke, If I can understand the joke, I know you were headed. I'll give you a good chuckle, man. <laughs> you know, you're something to do your job. You're going to do your job. I'm going to give you a little validation. All right. Um, my last one is, we didn't get a chance to talk about this with, with Emery, and I wanted to go over it a little bit. Wanted to get y'all takes on it, too. Um, the suspension of Devontae, I'm sorry, the fine of Devontae Adams, the, the whole commotion 
of Devontae Adams. I just, I need to, I need to get your guys' take on it because in working in the industry that we work in, we've all been behind the scenes of games. We've all been sidelines of games. And for someone who is a camera operator, and I, I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad there is no injury. Devontae Adams is a big dude to take a push from. Jake, would you ever run in front of an athlete when he's going to the locker room? No, I'm so I'm shocked that he was able to get in there and back. Like usually they they wall off like a lane, and yeah. the athletes are going back in there. So, and 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 I just think that we we because he's a hundred million dollar athlete, we sometimes forget that they're human, and we sometimes hold them to a a standard that's just above realistic expectations for a normal human. He just lost a heart-wrenching game, like a very dramatic, emotional game. He balled out and his team let him down. Like the only probably the only good part, him and Josh Jacobs were like the only good parts about the Raiders on that in that game. He's looking down, walking frustrated and hastily to the locker room, doesn't even have his helmet off. And someone jolts out in front of him really quick. Now, this is all speculation from me. But when your head is down like that, you don't know if that person is running as a fan. We don't know what they're doing, what's going on. So your natural reaction is to just defend yourself, get that person out of your space. And then throw on top the frustration and the fact that he's a NFL athlete with next level strength. And yes, that probably equals a guy getting pushed a little harder than he anticipated being pushed. But I think it's it's unfair to completely go on Devontae Adams and say he's better than that. You should he should never have pushed him. Um, he's too big. He's got to be better than that. All that. When one Devontae knows that he apologized on Twitter and then came out and to find the dude so he can apologize in person, realizing that an apology on Twitter is really faceless. Anybody can do that. And then we also have to realize that like like we have to leave room for human error and for people to be human and make mistakes and apologize for them and go on. With that being said, my guy, the camera operator, I don't know his name. I apologize. Played that exactly how you're supposed to play it. Exactly. Like, like, like for everybody else, we need to remember what's going on for that guy. Oh no, man. Get your bag. That's a Super Bowl. That's a, that's his his bag chasing one-on-one. That's what was going to be my point. Is he hit the he hit the SpongeBob my leg and cashed out like second, and, hey, in, in a way that's not going to hurt Devontae Adams' career, right? A little misdemeanor assault. You not we we don't even got to take this to court, my guy. You don't even got to miss practice. I'm not. You know what I mean? Just mail that check on to this at this address here. Make sure that joint cash on Monday. Y'all don't even play in Kansas City again this year. I don't even got to see you. The second he hit the ground, that guy has to be thinking like, oh, is that just Devontae Adams who just pushed me there? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, about yeah. to make some bread. Uh, he was quick thinking because he, he went to the hospital that night. So he wow. knew. No, this is why it's a little. Do. This is what I don't want to do. I don't, I don't want to paint it out that he's just solely getting a money grab for Devontae. Mm. I'm, sure, I'm sure other people in that organization, too. I'm just trying to be completely objective. I'm sure there's other people in the at the Chiefs, whether they're advising him to get the bag or not, that are saying you should go to the hospital to get checked, make sure there's no damages. But like, can I blame the guy? Like, 
I'm upset that he chose an inopportune time to try to dart across that path, especially being that professional. Like, you know, as much as anybody in that stadium, where players are going, where they're coming out of, and to not get in their way. You're a cameraman. Yeah. Like, uh, you know the tricks of the trade. So I'm mad he chose that time to run across Devontae. But, like, hey, man, like, can I, like, can I blame him? No, nah. uh, and I think just to, to cap it off here, I don't think really it's it's that big. I think it's being made out to be bigger than it is. It's exactly as you're portraying it, where it was a lapse of judgment from a frustrated Devontae Adams who then apologized twice about it. Twice. That should be the end of it, but because Devontae is a millionaire and he is liable in this sense, they're going to go extract every dollar out of it. From that angle, we kind of see it too. So, like, this is just, it's because it got caught on camera that this is as big of a deal as it is. If it was just rumor that he did this, it would not be anything, and there would be no report off of it. I'm sure there's a bunch of people who've been pushed behind the scenes that are like, "Dang, right. bro, like, where's not worse where's, done to you than that?" Yeah, where's where's my bag? Aaron Rodgers pushed me to the ground last week. <laughs> like, hey, where's my bag? Because I didn't get him his muffin. Uh, but that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a great one. Shout out to Emery Hunt one more time from Football Game Plan for coming on and dropping some knowledge with us. We love sharing the facts with great guests. Also, shout out to everyone on the Up On Game Presents Network. Make sure you guys are liking, following, and subscribing to that channel wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever there's content. And of course, as always, shout out my guys, Jake Galley and Stab Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up! This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.